This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca. Welcome to Game Misconduct, the Friday edition. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the slew of games last night. It's crazy right now. Wednesday you had two games. Tonight you've got one game. Last night you would have had what 14 games if not for one of the postponements so it's kind of crazy with the amount of games and then having no games but you're starting to get an idea now of who's good who's bad and who is going to be someone you're going to have to think a lot about of what they are right you've got the good the bad and well i don't want to say ugly but just undetermined right now okay i'm going to give you some things if you're excited about a team you got to be excited about what's happening with the Montreal Canadiens, all right? This is a team that has not been good for a while. Uh, their last trip to the conference final was back in 2014, so that was seven years ago. This team hasn't won a cup since 1993. They might be the best team in the NHL. Things are starting to come together with them. They've got a mix of good young players, some veterans, and they've got a goaltender that really is looking to prove himself as an elite goaltender who has not even gotten to a Stanley Cup final, only has a championship in the American Hockey League on his resume. They finally play a home game last night. They beat up on the Flames 4-2. It was 4 nothing for a while before Bennett scored late uh, in the third period to kind of make it a little interesting. Bennett's goal uh, came... Actually, they changed the goal. It was originally Bennett, but they changed it to Lucic at you know eighteen forty two and then they scored another goal a minute later from Anderson. Otherwise, you know, you're talking about a four nothing whitewashing of a pretty good Flames team. Toffoli's been a godsend for them, right? I mean, you saw him play in Los Angeles and Vancouver. He's always been a nice role player. Well he's he's more than that. He's got six goals now for Montreal and he's just having a tremendous season. So the Canadians are looking like one of the best teams in hockey. And this is really a throwback because maybe the other great team in this league is Toronto. We've been waiting for this team to put it together for a long, long time. And as great as Montreal's start has been, 5-0-2, with all but one of their games being on the road, Toronto has played two more games, but they have two more points, so they're in first place technically, and have a win over Montreal on their resume, which came in overtime. Montreal's yet to lose in regulation, by the way, which is unbelievable. <laughs> Washington, the only other team in the league, uh, along with Dallas, that's been able to do that. And you know, Dallas has only played four games, so it's a little too early to determine that they're for real, although they did go to a Stanley Cup final last year. So to have Toronto and Montreal be this good is certainly ter- terrific for the league. They've got bunches of talent on both sides of, uh, of the puck. Um, I think that's pretty cool that they're off to the start uh, that they're off to. Also, you know, give a nod to Washington. Uh, I wasn't sure whether this was going to be a playoff team or not, right? And now they lose Ovechkin, and they lose Orloff, and they lose Sansonov, and they lose Kuznetsov uh, for that ridiculous uh, COVID-19 protocol where they all decided to get together in a hotel room and basically uh, put themselves on deck for, for four games. They just continue to find ways to win. And then last night was impressive. They spot the Islanders three goals, and they score five unanswered goals in the second period to win the game 6-3. to three. Wilson's been terrific for them. Carlson has been terrific for them. So Laviolette's always had this pension for getting a lot out of teams early. Right, He had immediate success with the Islanders, had immediate success with Carolina, immediate success with Philadelphia, immediate success with Nashville. Now it does peter out, but you're starting to see that maybe he will have an effect on Washington. Remember, this team's only a couple of years removed from winning a Stanley Cup. And I think they lost Holpe at the right time, especially the way he's playing in Vancouver. So I'm, I'm liking this Washington team a lot. 
Now, Pittsburgh's been difficult to figure out, right? Pittsburgh had that four-game winning streak, and now they've lost two in a row, earning just one point, losing to the Boston Bruins. Boston's going to figure things out. I think Boston's a little top-heavy, but that didn't hurt them the last few years. They're making the adjustment, losing to Chara. They're going to be fine. So Boston is right there at top of that division. It's going to be tough to make the playoffs in the East. We've said that. Philadelphia had a nice bounce back with a couple of consecutive wins against the Devils. So they find themselves uh, in third place there. So some of the things that uh, I've been able to observe here early, still kind of waiting. How many games are we going to finally have to wait before we make Dallas for real at 4-0? I think Florida, they've only played four games, but they're 3-0-1, getting a lot of scoring from different places. Verstegi's been very good for them so far this year. Um, what is Carolina going to be once they get things together, winning three of their first four games? So it's very early to figure out where we are in this league. But one thing is for sure, Toronto and Montreal, to me, are for real, okay? Teams that I think are not for real, that are probably done. This is not going to be you know, Detroit's year. They're certainly in a rebuild. Same with Chicago. Although Chicago's been able to hang in there, technically tied for that fourth spot uh, in the Central Division. But I think over the long haul, it's still a rebuild for them. But really, outside of um, what's happened with the Ottawa Senators, I can't really say there's any teams that have completely just ready to throw away. There's teams you kind of know in your heart aren't going to make it. Uh, but Ottawa seems to be the one team I'm not really sure about. I could have put the Rangers there as well if they had lost last night because we could talk all we want about the Rangers and they're playing well and they've got a lot of young players. you got to start winning games, right? And you don't want to start continuing to throw seasons away as difficult as it's going to be to make the playoffs this year. And you can't always use the excuse of one-goal games because you got to figure out a way to win them. Most of these games in the NHL are one-goal games. So last night, they get involved in a one-goal game, blow another third-period lead, but they find a way to win it. Congratulations to Alexei Lafreniere as he picks up his first NHL goal, becomes the first Ranger since January 5th, 2011, to register his first National Hockey League goal in overtime, and that was Matt Zuccarello, if you remember that. So maybe that gets the monkey off of his back a little bit and gets the Rangers, because they have played well, but you got to start producing points. So that was a big win for them. So a good job by the Rangers to be able to kind of climb back into this thing. They return home for their next five games are going to be at Madison Square Garden. So we'll see if that kind of turns their season around. Uh, a couple of notes before we get to uh, your questions on Twitter. Um, it looks like Pasternak is going to be back with the Boston Bruins on Saturday. That's bad news for the rest of the division because Boston's still been good, and they get back a guy that could potentially be uh, a 50-goal scorer. So that's good news there. And congratulations on I thought was a very solid career for Jimmy Howard in Detroit. And I know you get when you get judged by goaltending, you get judged by championships and playoff runs, and certainly his opportunity as a number one goaltender came when it was clearly over for the Detroit Red Wings as far as winning championships were concerned, right? But I got to see a lot of him in his career. He always seemed to have the Rangers number, so when I remember calling games, Rangers outplaying the Red Wings, and still the Rangers would lose because Detroit would just get Jimmy Howard to stand on his head. And he had a really solid career in the NHL and decides to retire. So good for him. He's 36 years old. And again, not a Hall of Fame career at all and certainly will not go down as one of the great goaltenders in Detroit the way um, you're going to remember you know, the likes of, uh, of Dominic Hasek or uh, Chris Osgood, even just in recent vintage. But a heck of a goaltender, a heck of a career. So congratulations to him and best of luck in the future because I thought he was a, it was a lot of fun 
to watch in the National Hockey League. All right, I want to hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is the way uh, to do that. So we'll scroll through the tweets here and see what you got in store for me. And I'm just going to pop on to the hashtag game misconduct so I can get to you. And let's start with Sam Diaz, who has been very aggressive against Michael K, by the way, for not talking enough hockey on TMKS. Well, you know, for whatever we don't do on TMKS, that's why you have game misconduct. So Sam says, with Jimmy Howard announcing his retirement, where do you place him among his contemporaries in his career against the Rangers? He was solid 10-5-3. But here, here's the thing. He was 10-5-3. Just shows you how great the goaltending matchups were between Jimmy Howard and Henrik Lundqvist, right? So 10-5-3. So technically, 10 wins, 8 losses, right? Even though he was able to get points in 3 of the 8 losses. You're still talking about a goaltender with a 941 save percentage against the Rangers and a 2.02 goal against average. You would think that somebody who averaged two goals a game would have better than a 10 and 8 record against the Rangers. That's how crazy the goaltending was. Um, you know, it's hard to say because they never really made that major run. You know, you take. I'm just going to take a look because uh, I saw his stats before. I'm going to punch him up here for you, just to you know, it. It. it he's not. Again, he's not a great goaltender by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a solid goaltender in just a transition time, unfortunately, for Detroit. You know, he becomes the starting goaltender. It's at the end of Lidstrom's career. It's the end of Datsuk's career. It's the end of uh, Zetterberg's career. So he's not exactly taking over the Detroit Red Wings at a time where they were, you know, poised to win cups. And just taking a quick look at his career overall in the National Hockey League. Again, American-born goaltender from Syracuse, New York. And, you know, he started, made his debut with the Detroit Red Wings, very brief, just four appearances in 05-06. So that's coming out of the lockout. So Detroit still had their moments. I mean, they still obviously won the Cup in 2008, but he only started four regular season games, none in the playoffs. When he finally started to take over as the full-time goaltender in 2009-2010, you know, things were starting to turn for Detroit just a bit, and their kind of cup days were over. But still, um, really, really stellar numbers for him during that time. Um, you're talking in 20, uh, in 29, uh, 2009, 2010. You know, he had a, uh, a, a really good record of 37 and 15, 37 wins the next year, 35. First three years of his career, um, 37 wins, 37 wins, 35 wins. Then some injuries started to happen, and it was 21, 21, 23. So he, and, and as those started to happen, that's when the Detroit Red Wings started to uh, dismantle their team, and players started to get older, and players started to depart. But, you know, you really saw he caught that tail end of the Detroit greatness and was able to produce a lot. But it's been, uh, it's been rough sledding for the Detroit Red Wings over the last few years, and I think that's really hurt Jimmy Howard's statistics overall, but still. A very, very solid goaltender. Troy says, Don, who would make the top five list of hockey personalities of color that you would like to have on game misconduct? Well, there's plenty of them. I mean, Anson Carter is a tremendous uh, character, fun guy, loves the sport, great to talk to. Kevin Weeks, also someone that has been a guest on this show many times. When you think of the characters of the game, um, a really interesting guy is Grant Fuhr. I mean, the greatness of his goaltending. Also picked up a bunch of assists in his National Hockey League career. He was always a great guy to talk to, have fun with. Um, 
Um, there's 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 a there's a few other guys because you would talk about um, you you talk about their personalities and a lot of them. Pokey Reddick was a really fun guy. Played golf for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, some of the guys that I would love to just talk to and have fun with. Those are <laughs> some of the players of color that really had a lot of personality that I would love to talk to. Um, Chris brings up something very interesting because he remembers when I would have the Friday Top 5, which we, we will come back with. I just want to take a little bit more time to take a look at this uh, this season. Uh, but Chris says, Hi, Don. Here are my Top 5 Future Expansion Cities. Well, that's pretty that's pretty ballsy. Go out there with five expansion franchises uh, when I'm not sure we'll even get another one now that we have 32 teams. But he's got number 5, Saskatoon. Um, province needs an NHL team. There were a lot of rumors that uh, Saskatoon was going to get a team back in the day. As a matter of fact, uh, about 20, 30 years ago, the St. Louis Blues were very close to moving to Saskatoon. Haven't really heard any conversations since then, but that certainly uh, was a destination back in the day. Kansas City's always been talked about. It's got an NHL-ready arena. There were rumors a while ago the Islanders were going to go to Kansas City. Um, Milwaukee, great AHL uh, city. Um, with the Admirals, not sure that it's an NHL city, but it is. Wisconsin is a very good hockey state, so it's kind of strange to have such great college hockey in Wisconsin and not have an NHL team. Quebec, number two, bring back the Nords. I agree with that. And he's got number one, Hartford, Whalers, 80s jersey, and the goal song. There's always conversation about Hartford possibly getting a team, but you still run into that same problem. It's so close to New York. It's so close to Boston. Uh, maybe the time has passed for Hartford. I think Quebec certainly needs a city. But here's the dilemma. Are you going to go to 34 teams? So I think the best chance for any of these cities to get an NHL franchise would be for their team to, to have to move. And right now, you know, the Coyotes have been able to survive. The Panthers have been able to survive. Um, the Islanders certainly are thriving right now with a brand-new arena on the way. So I'm just not sure any of those cities are going to get any NHL hockey anytime soon. Uh, Jake says, after watching the first couple of weeks of hockey, which division are finding the most intriguing at this point? Well, the two for me right now, East because it's so wide open. There's so many good teams there. Philadelphia can win the Cup. Boston can win the Cup. Um, obviously, um, I'm not sure about the Islanders. I'm really disappointed in the way they've played so far this year, but they did go to the conference final last year, so you can't rule them out. Washington has been impressive. But that North Division with all the Canadian teams and the battles and the number of goals that are scored, I've said before, I, I, I really should just muster up the courage to just bet the over on every game that's played in the North Division the rest of the regular season. I think I would make money. So those are the two. Sir Harvey Cruz says, I finally got around to watching the ESPN 30 for 30 big shot about John Spano and the Islanders. What were your recollections of that time and how everything unfolded? Well, the recollections of the time are just sad because they, I, I, Jim Cerny was the play-by-play voice of the Islanders like just before Spano was going to take over. And the Islanders were just a mess. Um, by, by, the, by the early 90s, every team in the NHL was flying a charter. The Islanders were still flying commercial. I mean, they were just a shoestring budget. It was such a bad situation. Spano comes in, and it was like a godsend that this guy had money. This guy was a fan, that everything was going to come together. And then... Not only was it embarrassing to the Islanders, it was embarrassing to the National Hockey League. How do you not vet the guy? How does a guy with no money buy a team? 
But I think the league was just so anxious to have somebody save the Islanders that he was allowed to slip through the cracks. But my, my memory of all that was just so sad for the Islander fan because they really thought that they had found their knight in shining armor and it ended up being a complete fraud and just felt uh, awful for them. But you know what? You, you sucked it up. And now they got a now they got a situation that's pretty good. A pretty good hockey team with a brand new arena on the way. Everything's looking up for the Islanders. Michael says, Happy Friday, Don. The Penguins had a rough showing in Boston, particularly of Genny Malkin. I love them both, but what makes you think that Latang is gone before Malkin? Well, because there's rumors that Latang could be gone, because Latang is someone that I think a lot of teams covet. Um, Malkin, I love the guy. He's an easy, easy guy to hate because he's chippy, all right? He's a big-sized guy. He just doesn't have that speed anymore. He still has the ability to, to possess the puck and is still very dangerous. But I remember watching him and flying into the zone, and now he just doesn't have that anymore. He's getting older, and he hasn't played that great. Uh, what has he got, like three points in the first eight games of the season? So I don't think his career is over, but he's not the same player that he was before. So I think things are... Things are really changing for him, that's for sure. Uh, Steven says, how can the Devils improve on faceoffs? They have been dominated this season, and it took its toll versus the Flyers the last two games for sure. You know, Rangers are going through the same thing too. I used to think that, that faceoffs were overrated, but when you really start to pay attention, especially for teams that are like that really struggle to score goals, but possession is so important. If you lose the faceoff, now you got to go take the puck away. And that's a hard thing to do. And yeah, there are meaningless face-offs in the neutral zone, but you get in these close one-goal games and you got a defensive zone face-off and you lose that draw and you see some of those guys on the blue line with the shots that they have. Do you really want Montreal to win a draw and have Shea Weber shoot a 120-mile-per-hour puck at you? Because that's what, it, that's what happens, right? Win the draw, quick back to Shea, blast to one-timer, and then next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. Happens a lot. So, yeah, they got to they got to clean that up. You know, you think they they will once you get guys like uh, you know. I think Heishier could certainly help there. Um, they've got a little bit of a COVID issue now too. The Devils they got to keep an eye on. So that might be a bigger concern for them than really uh, anything else. Uh, let's go to uh, Tony Terrific, who says is Matthew Kachuk the most hated player currently in the NHL. Also, side note, you're correct on betting the over on the North Canadian games. They mainly hit. Yeah, they they do. Listen, Kachuk, here's what makes him the most hated guy in the league is that he goes after everybody and he's amazing. All right? Because you could talk. You you remember the, the pesky guys back in the day, the Claude Lemieux, the Esatikinens, you know, the, the Sean Averys. Yeah, those were those were guys that were pests. They would get in your face, but they they weren't somebody that were that dangerous at scoring goals. I mean, they were they were good offensive players, solid offensive players. But Kachuk could be an elite scorer and be that way. You know, Claude Lemieux had his moments early in his career, but for the most part, you know, he was he's not scoring fifty. But now this is a Kachuk guy that can possibly do that and get in your face. That's what makes him so hated because he can kill you in so many, so many different ways. That old, that's a, you talk about the 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 the, uh, the Sutter brothers, just that Kachuk family. You know, well, how good Keith was. He's in the Hall of Fame. You know how his kids are playing. You know Brady and Matthew. It's it's actually a pretty tremendous story. What's happening there 
uh, with the Kachooks. That's a, that's a pretty good American story as well. So there's a lot of fun today, kind of catching up with everybody and getting a lot of your tweets. Monday, we'll try to be in the normal situation that we always have with EJ Raddick. We'll talk to him, get his thoughts on everything that happened over the weekend. I will be doing uh, the pre and post for Rangers and Penguins coming up tomorrow night. My next play-by-play will be the following Saturday against the Devils that afternoon game a week from tomorrow. So you want to talk to me during the course of the weekend, it's easy to do. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Enjoy all the hockey. Enjoy your weekend. Back with you on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.